So here's the question. How do active people in the Atlanta area stay pain-free and live the active, fulfilled life that they deserve at any age? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Danny Matei, and welcome to the Active Atlanta Podcast. The Active Atlanta Podcast is sponsored by Athletes Potential. At Athletes Potential, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active doing the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better for life. Head to athletespotential.com to learn how we can help you stay active for life today. What is up, Atlanta, and welcome back to the Active Atlanta podcast. I'm your host, Doc Jake Swart, and today, guys, I'm really excited for who we have on. Uh, this is George Cullen. He is the founder and owner of Storm Athletics. Uh, he's got a vast athletic background, including performing at a high level as a linebacker at TCU. Uh, he's been he's opened up a gym and is and has been really serving the area for the past three years over in Decatur. Uh, so, guys, without further ado. Here is George. George, what's up, my man? How's it going? Good, good, man. I'm super excited. We've kind of been coordinating back and forth for a little while to get you on. I know you're a busy guy. Um, even in your, uh, your About Us page, you like to talk about how you're the, the owner, the janitor, the trainer, the head coach. <laughs> well, COVID's been a fun time for all of us. Um, no, it's been good. We've been able to keep our business model open um, throughout this time. And that's because we don't use a traditional gym business model. Everything we do is externally focused for the client. So what's your goal? What's your reason why the gym is a tool? It is not the end, but rather it is a means to the end. Yeah. So whether that is personal training clients or if it is a same family, same household, same group, small group, or our teenagers, we have a teenage athletic performance program. That's the closest thing that comes to being group classy. Um, but it's because they're all athletes. And when we take an athlete, you know, when you look at the starting position of a linebacker, it's the same starting position as receiving in volleyball, as receiving in tennis. That first lateral step that someone makes in tennis is the same lateral step that a linebacker makes when we read a pass play. It's the same lateral step um, that we see a baseball player make when they're trying to get out the box. So if we can just, again, work with these teenagers um, in developing them to become total athletes, we can group them all together and use the same programming for everyone in that situation. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, like athletics is just a expression of human performance, right? And what you can do. And I think you bring up a good point in a lot of different sports, there's similarities between the movements. Um, and, and you kind of experienced that one as a coach, as a strength coach, but then two, as a player yourself, um, did you, did your experience, I know we've talked a little about it a little bit in the past, but, um, just kind of reemphasize it for me. Has your experience as a player, did that kind of lead you down the path of human performance and opening up your own gym or what, what, what was that? Whole, what is that whole process like? And why did you feel it was necessary for you to kind of go and start your own thing? So I did not realize it. Um, but I've been basically training for this job ever since I was, in high, uh, like moving in eighth and ninth grade, when I was a rising freshman, my family moved to Jackson, Wyoming. And my high school strength and conditioning coach was someone by the name of Rob Shaw. 
Mm. Um, I thought he was a crazy strength and conditioning coach at the time. And then in college, when I started reading more about him, I didn't realize just all he had done in terms of mountain fitness, um, athlete fitness, and kind of pushing boundaries and exploring different strength and conditioning ways. And we were basically his lab rats in high school. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then in high school, I got experience again. I got to be part of Tribe CrossFit, which is one of the older CrossFit gyms in the Los Alamitos area. Um, again, just gave a very solid foundation to what does good programming look like. From there, I went on to TCU where I was in the kinesis department, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was bouncing back and forth between physical therapy, pre-med. Um, and I saw some research papers on not only the physical side of training, but the uh, psychological side of training as well. And that is what got me hooked. So I started being an intern in our weight room at TCU, as well as working in a private gym uh, called Enduro Lab out in the Fort Worth area. And again, opened my eyes up to the world of endurance sports at TCU. That is where I saw, you know, I got to see what the soccer players were doing and just how similar it was to the football players in terms of their base program, in terms of their foundations program, their fundamentals, um, the injury prevention side and what we were looking to do. And all of that wrapped up, led to me eventually opening up my own space. Dude, I love it. So you've had some really badass uh, people influencing uh, your, your experience as uh, from the performance and athletic development side of things from an early age. Not everybody gets, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Coach Shaw is there <laughs> as their intro to strength and conditioning. So um, that's, that's impressive in and of itself. And then to have that baseline to kind of build off of is huge. And I'm sure as you went on and like, uh, maybe not so much at TCU, maybe so, but I'm sure like throughout the years of your programming, you saw like holes uh, that people were missing. And I love the fact in particular with the, um, the mental aspect of training and, and human performance. Mm -hmm. So one of the gyms that I again got involved with in terms of their seminars um, was Jim Jones out in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, again, there's been some, there, there's been some turnover in the time, but this was with uh, Rob McDonald, Bobby Maximus and Mark Dwight. Um, and again, their, their kind of philosophy, their whole philosophy was the mind is primary where the mind goes, the body quickly follows. Mm -hmm. And we look to implement that here because if someone's out on a marathon, everyone's heard of hitting the wall at mile 20, what happens from mile 20 to 26.2 happens in between the ears if the person starts going starts to go and falling down that rabbit hole of this sucks i can't breathe my legs hurt yada yada it's not going to go well we're going to see times fall off a cliff but if they're able to say okay i've got a 10k left let's just keep going just keep going just one more step their pace is still going to stay relatively similar um likewise again I think it was Mike Tyson everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth and the same is true in sports and in all sports Everyone has a plan until the first play and something goes wrong and you got to get back up and get moving. And so that's something we try and instill in our teenagers. Uh, again, we work with, I have about six pitchers right now uh, that I work with specifically. And for them pitching, it's mostly mental. You know, if they give up a home run and then the next guy gets a stand-up triple, can they get their minds back in it to get that next pitch where they want it to be? Or is their location just going to be gone for the rest of the day? 
So that's where we, again, a lot of our workouts are designed to not only bring a physical aspect to it, but a mental, are you going to quit or are you going to keep going moment to them? For sure. For sure. Man, I like that. It's a lot of, you know, you know, there's a lot of people that go down the rabbit hole of like, um, like studying, like how to be stoic in their environment. Right. <laughs> and that's like mm-hmm. a whole, like, um, like, uh, like a whole philosophical journey that people can go on in terms of like, how do you separate like your perception of what happens from what is actually happening? And so I love that yep. you're kind of taking the sport and performance spin of that and applying that. And you, do you, I mean, do you cover that in your, in the gym? Like if somebody like, are there days where you push people to their limits and talk about how you escape that, that thought process telling you to quit or this is too hard or I can't do another rep or, or how does that kind of work for you? It really depends. Um, because again, what we do a lot of individual, because we view the gym as a tool, every group, every person, if they're a personal training client, our programming is truly personal to them. Mm-hmm. What's their goal? What's the reason why it's not a, Oh, you're running a marathon. Here's a marathon program. It's, Okay, what's your 5K time? What's your 10K time? Have you run a marathon before? What's your weekly mileage? We're going to build this out around you to develop you to be the best one you can possibly be. Okay, what's your goal? You've never done a pull-up before? Okay, that's a gym-focused goal, but guess what? We're going to make you do your first pull-up. What's your body weight? How do we, do we need to drop weight? Do we need to add mass? Where do we need to, where do we need to push and pull to activate things? Uh, and so for some of those, it, again, my pull-up person, not the biggest mental, psychological uh, barriers to overcome. So his is more of the pure physical side. Right. And likewise, we can't go a hundred percent every single workout because that's where burnout happens. Yeah. So I'll take our teenagers workout today because I just finished up with them uh, right before this. Uh, they had a very classic Louis Simmons West side five by five at 80% day today. Yeah. Not a lot, not a lot going on between the ears there, but just, it was a lot of hard work for those that have a three rep max or one rep max, you know, it's all right here. We're going to take 80% for those that don't, it's find your heavy five and let's roll with it. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, the other week I'll take their workout that they ended with on Friday was something that we like to call the pipes. Okay. And sounds vicious. <laughs> So it is, I'll give you the, we have multiple versions of it. Uh, I'll give you the first version is called tailpipe. And this is a workout from Jim Jones out in Salt Lake city, Utah, where person one, the standard workout as written person one is standing with two 53 pound kettlebells on their chest in the front rack position. And person two is rowing 250 meters. Mm-hmm. They will then switch places. They will then do that three rounds for time because that person is holding 106 pounds on their chest. Uh, they are not able to breathe comfortably. Right. And the person on the rower knows that, and they have to make the conscious decision. Do I row hard and put myself in the hole to get my partner out of suffering? Or do I be selfish and take this slower so that I can get some recovery before having to be <laughs> to go back on? Yeah. I love it. And, and we have multiple versions of that. And again, we'll scale that to the athlete's ability because that's a, evolution that I don't want that to take more than seven minutes. No one needs to be in the pain cave that long. Um, so again, we'll scale that down to maybe a single 44 pound kettlebell to someone or a single 35 pound kettlebell, um, or maybe scale it back to, you know, okay, you two are only going to do 200 meters mm-hmm. type thing on the row. Um, again, just to keep the time domain where we want it to be. Yeah. But that forces them to think because you've got nothing but that small voice inside your head saying you can, or you can't do this when you're in that flexed position. Right. 
Right. Dude, those are always, those are always the worst, man. When you, when you have to rely on a um, partner <laughs> to help you out. I remember back in high school, we had this, we had this workout. It was a dumb workout. Coaches got in a lot of trouble. It was like in the middle of summer, uh, they had us go out on a black track and do like wheel partner wheelbarrows, like a, a full 400 or a full, like, you know, one lap, 400 meters, um, alternating as you needed to with your partner. And uh, so everybody's hands are just like torn up blisters all over the place. But you talk about the mental aspect of that. And it's kind of similar to what you're kind of talking about. Like, um, you know, that when you get done, when you got done uh, doing like essentially like a bear crawl with just your arms, for those mm-hmm. of you know, who don't know what like a wheelbarrow race is, I'm sure most people do, but yep. um, you, your shoulders are gassed, your triceps are gassed, your hands are sore. Last thing you want to do is, is uh, keep going, but you know that your partner just got done and you're trying to get as much distance and help your partner out as much as you can. And then conversely on the other side, you're trying to hold, like you're already tired and the last thing you want to do is like give your partner the support that they need to get the most out of their wheelbarrow race or at, at their wheelbarrow component as well. So, you know, you're not wanting to like grip on quite as hard. You're not wanting to like really like bear down with your core so that they're not shaking you all over the place. And um, mm-hmm. at least that was my mindset. <laughs> my uh, partner did not have the same mindset. <laughs> he would go about, I was so pumped up because this guy I didn't know him very well. I was freshman on the team. Um, he was new to the school uh, and he was super strong. I was like, Oh, dope. This is going to be great. He's going to be able to like just truck away and I'll just support him when he's, when he's going and we'll, we'll crush this. Couldn't be further from the, from the truth. Uh, my, my guy, Matt Clemente, he's one of, he's one of my best buddies, but he did not do very well in that race. <laughs> he would take like mm-hmm. two steps and then it'd be right back on me and it was trash, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you can kind of see it both ways where some people really thrive in those situations and you can see who does or doesn't necessarily maybe have the mental capacity to be able to like give or have like the, uh, not the mental capacity, but the um, empathy, I guess we can call it to try to mm-hmm. do what they can for their partner. And to that's dig the hole to dig into that hole and to yeah. dig deep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it gets fun. We, we use partner workouts, which has been, again, during COVID, we have adapted our programming so that we're not sharing any equipment. There's no cross-contamination. Right. Each person has their own box, um, but still able to bring kind of those teamwork style workouts where you're still relying on their other, on the other person yeah, um, to get you through. Or again, I can adapt this to a personal training client where now instead of your partner standing there, it's, a, it's on the stopwatch. It's on you. So yeah. that you know, the longer that you take, the longer you're going to have to stand there. So yeah. we're, we're able to adapt things. So it goes both ways. For sure. So o- over at Strong Athletics, so you guys do a lot of one-on-one training, some team-based training or some small group training. Yep. How do you, do you do any small group of like adult style training or how do you kind we of do? So uh, in kind of keeping with our theme of no standard group class, mm-hmm. uh, we have a hybrid option for our adults. And what that is, is that's a way of delivering personal training programming to a group class environment. And I kind of, if anyone, um, (laughs) I kind of went on a rant the other day about this to one of my coaching buddies. Um, But it's like when we program in our hybrid setting, each individual person gets their own program. So it is still all the work that goes into personal training, true personal training. And I'm more of a traditional, like a college strength and conditioning coach who's going to be floating in between the power racks saying, all right, this is your workout. You know, I have, the, I have the list of the day on my phone over who's doing what. I can check in, check your weight, check your sets, et cetera. Because if you're doing, again, I'll take five by five back squat on two and a half minute rest. We're not going to go over coaching points for all two and a half minutes. That would be 
too much information. Right. Likewise, if you have a uh, five by 500 meter row on two minute rest, there's only so many times I can say, good job, keep it up before you want to slap me in the face with the row handle. <laughs> but if I have two people in there doing those workouts, I can kind of bounce back and forth between the two mm-hmm. and coach both people at the same time. And so that way we're able to deliver when someone's paying for personal training, we're able to deliver that high quality, truly personal program, not just a group class adapted to a personal, to a person, but rather your own program, your true training, what your goal is. And then we still can get a group environment if that's what you wish to be in. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, I think, uh, and there's definitely a mix of some people who love, who thrive in that one-on-one setting and yep. another group that thrives in being in a group or at least a small group. Cause especially for some of those tougher workouts that we were kind of talking about before, like man, suffering loves company. And you definitely push yourself a little bit harder when there's other people in the room. You do. We, we definitely notice that. And then again, we also have our one-on-ones where some people just want a, they might be newer. So they want to be in a true one-on-one setting or two, that's just what they're comfortable in with the times that we're in right now. Or three, they also use it as a, just a dump, a place to talk about other things as well. For sure. For sure, man. I think um, as you, as you've noticed, I'm sure like training and exercise and being in a gym, in a gym space like that, it's so much more than just getting your workout in for the day. Like it's truly is like, you know, meditative, like you get a lot out, like uh, your, your life demands a ton out of you throughout the day. And so for you to be able to give back to yourself a little bit and have this place to maybe not so much like vent, but like kind of like escape, like daily routine is, uh, yep. is, is huge. You know, how many other places are you climbing up a rope to a 25 foot ceiling? Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It kind of makes, and you know, what's interesting too, like, uh, there's this group called like the art of breath and they, and, um, but, and they do with like Brian McKenzie and Rob Wolf and they all do yep. these, um, you know, they'll do like these demonstrations through the class or through the program. But essentially what they're having you do is like, like focus on breath work. Right. And I remember there's this one workout or this one example. I can't remember exactly what we did. It was like, I don't know, uh, 15 burpees, we'll call it as fast as you can. So really kind of got your heart rate up. You take two, two big, slow breaths, and then you pick up like 53 pound kettlebells and walk as far as you can while holding your breath. Right. (laughs) And it's almost meditative when you do that because like there's nothing else that you're thinking about in that moment, no external like stressors or anxieties or anything. There's nothing else that your body or your brain is focusing on other than breathing. <laughs> and, and so we have something task. similar. Uh, we have something similar. Uh, we call them breathing ladders. Okay. And a breathing ladder, we can do it with, I'll take kettlebell swings, for example, mm-hmm. um, or slam ball. You can do cut. We usually use kettlebell swings, slam balls, burpees, um, not heavy CNS modalities, essentially. Right. So not a lot of barbell movements. We're not going to do like handstand pushups mm-hmm. with it. Um, wall balls would be a good one or a good one as well. Like take kettlebell swings. You do one kettlebell swing. Mm-hmm. Your breath is however your recovery is one breath. Okay. Okay. You do two kettlebell swings. You get two breaths of recovery. You do three, you get three breaths of recovery. And you can either go, if I'm working with someone who's newer, you can either go until basically failure and figure out where their stop point is. Mm-hmm. And then now we're going to go, okay, your goal this week is going to go one to 20 mm-hmm. in a ladder. And then you might say, now we're going to go one up to 20 and then back down to 10. Yeah. And then the next week, one, 20 to one. Damn. And coming back down that ladder, now their heart rate gets higher, their breathing rate gets a little more elevated trying to get them to calm down and control that breathing rate. 
Yeah. The whole purpose behind it. Dude, that's badass, man. I love that. I don't think I've uh, heard of that, uh, that style of breath training and too many other mm-hmm. gyms. That's awesome that you guys focus on that. And, uh, and your patients, how did, or not your patients, sorry, your clients. No yeah. <laughs> it's very similar. Uh, how do they, how do they, um, how do they respond to that? Like, do they talk about getting lightheaded or almost like, uh, you know, borderline euphoric to like train on, on your breath work like that and kind of, pr- and push into those levels there. Cause we definitely have people like damn near blacking out when, when they were doing the drills and the coursework. Depends on the person. Some people are totally fine with it. Yeah. Some people, um, again, we had someone today on deadlifts, got a little bit of lightheadedness. We changed the time on them. They didn't change some things with their nutrition around. So just figuring out what works yeah. for them. Love it. So you say, depending on the person, I know you do a lot with um, athletes over at Storm Athletics. Obviously, it's in the name. But do you do, you do a lot of work with um, like young, not young guns, but like uh, people uh, returning to the gym for the first time in a little while or people who are completely new to yep. the gym or what does that look like? And how does, how would somebody like, how do you put somebody in and because the gym's an, it's an intimidating environment. And it's so an intimidating try, environment. Try to, what's that? And I said, it is an intimidating environment. And especially the way we're set up when you walk up in here, it is set up to be able, um, I mean, I can have someone squat 800 pounds if they wanted to thousand pounds if they wanted to it's the way yeah. we're set up right now. Likewise, my, 82 year old grandmother can come in here mm-hmm. and do any workout that I give her. Nice. nice. It is infinitely scalable. Um, and it's domain and it's range because we initially were set up for group classes and then we figured out, you know what, let's tailor our business model a little bit more. Let's make this more specific. Let's really try and help people achieve what they're looking to do and what they're use the gym as a tool rather than just as a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for someone who's beginning, what we do is we take them through, a very standard, I use it the, the same workout for everyone's first time. Yeah. And that's an analysis workout. And what it is, is it is five rounds of 10 either kettlebell swings or kettlebell deadlifts, mm-hmm. five overhead lunges, holding onto a plate, five overhead plate lunges, five on each leg, um, 10 ring rows, and 10 push ups mm-hmm. and for, for five rounds. And the rest is completely dependent on the person. And what this allows me to see is it allows me to see a lower body hinge movement in the deadlift. Mm-hmm. It allows me to see a lower body press movement in the lunge. It allows me to see upper body pulls in the ring rows and upper body pushes in the push-ups. Also allows me to see knee and ankle stability yep. in the lunge, hip stability in the swing, shoulder uh, and spine stability in the pull and the push-up. Love and it. so I'm just... I'm more floating in that workout. If I have someone who has never been in the gym before, we're going to take 30 minutes and we're going to go over all those movements beforehand. Mm-hmm. If I have someone who's never been in the gym before and they're not fit, we can use a five pound dumbbell for our swings. Yep. Likewise, the pushups can be done with the hands on a box that is super elevated. So it's, or wall pushups even. Yep. Likewise, if I have someone who's, you know, they've been around, they've, let's say they've, been in a CrossFit box and they want to try something different or big box gym, want to try something different. Let's say they come in with a 500 pound deadlift. Great. I have two 53 pounds kettlebells and we're going to go double swings. Yeah. Likewise, we're going to put your feet on a box and make your rings at a decline angle, put more point of emphasis on those rows, make them a little bit more challenging. So that workout is infinitely scalable. And then that allows me to do a movement analysis. And then from there we write your, okay, what are you trying to do? What do you, what's your purpose? Where do you see yourself in a month? three months and a year. Dude, I love that. So do you use that? So clearly you use that as a movement analysis. Uh, do you use that? Mm-hmm. 
as like a pre and post test? Like we use that as a fitness analysis too? Uh, I don't use it as a post fitness analysis. I prefer more something more like a 2000 meter row for a post analysis, but I do use it as a pre analysis because I tell them that the rest is up to them. Yeah. So some people will bust through all five rounds and they'll be like, all right, what are we doing next? Some yeah. people might take a minute or two minutes, three minutes between each round and that's fine. But that just lets me know where their starting point is. Yeah. Dude, that's and huge. Then, I, sorry, go ahead. Usually from there, um, we'll go on to an ERG and get a 2000 meter row time, 2K test time, depending on what their baseline level is. Yeah. If their baseline is really low to start with, I'm not going to start them there because they're going to make improvements so fast that those times are going to be null and void in a couple of weeks. So what's the point of putting someone through a, 2000, a 2K row test if we're just going to exceed those times? Right. Dude, I love that. You can use it for your branding, man. Look, look how fit you got, right? <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's a vanity at that point, but, um, yeah, dude, I love that. So and what I particularly love is that you say you do that for like every client, like it's infinitely scalable for sure. Um, this is something that I deal with a lot for the people that kind of come into the clinic is almost, I call it like almost like exercise ADD, right? Where everyone thinks that they need to yep. just do like something different every single time they're in the gym or, uh, you know, they're doing so much variability in their programming that there's no consistency in their programs. They don't really improve yep. on anything. Like, is that something that you're tr constantly trying to combat almost like counter, uh, societal, like, you know, muscle confusion? Type yes. Stuff? <laughs> yes. Between the muscle confusion, um, YouTube channel yeah, <laughs> and CrossFit's hopper model. Mm -hmm. um, again, the hopper model has its validity and what we call, there's a reason why we see so many um, people plateau. Right. And that's because it works for a certain while. And then we call it base, base one. If you think of a pyramid, we call that foundations one. Mm -hmm. You just kind of throw stuff at a wall. If you take someone who's never been on a diet before, it doesn't matter what diet is and you start structuring a nutrition plan around them, mm -hmm. they're going to see changes. Likewise, you take someone who's never been in the fitness world before and you start making them do things, you're going to see changes. And it works until a point. Yeah. And then it just plateaus off. And so that's where we see the structured program come in um, and where the, okay, on, you know, if you come in three times a week and your thing and you do your own thing on Saturday, you know, let's say you are a runner, right? You run four or five days a week, pushing 40, 45 to 60 miles a week. Mm -hmm. Okay. How can we make sure that, how can we use the gym as a tool to make sure you get better and not get injured? Yeah. And that's where we see a lot of overuse injuries come from is people where, you know, maybe the gym is not necessarily lining up with what they're doing outside. Again, baseball pitchers is a big thing as their arms are coming into preseason. Yeah. Yeah. How can we use this as a tool and almost as a base building build that pyramid base mm -hmm. so that you can keep throwing hard all season long. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's something that we have to take care of a lot of um, when someone comes in, they're like, Oh, we do this every month. We, we squat every Monday. You're like, yeah. We're going to start out with four by eight. And then the next week we might go to five by five. The next week might be six by three. And the next week might be six by two. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to start that whole phase over again. Yeah, do for sure. I think, you know, what's, what's, uh, what, what's missing or what people the, like kind of like the missing link or what people don't fully understand is that like, you can add variability to your program by simply changing rep schemes, right? Or changing yep. like when you do a certain movement throughout the workout, yep. or, um, you know, potentially like, you have it set up on a certain day, but another person could say like, okay, after this 12 week block, I'm going to switch instead of doing like squats on Monday, we'll do squats on Thursday. And like, 
and that's where we, we get a lot of our variability also. Um, the way we set up workouts, if we think of workouts as a, you have your general warm up, which is like the, you just come into the gym. Okay. You're going to start warming up. You're going to jump on and you're for a couple minutes, bike, ski, row, something. Yeah. Then a specific warm up is the, all right, what are we doing today? Um, so again, I'm going to take squatting because why not? Um, okay. We're going to do some air squats. We're going to do some wall squats, jump squats, lunge progression, just make sure everything's moving the way it should. You didn't do anything funny over the weekend where it's like, oh, that doesn't feel quite right. We're going to find that out now. Then we're going to get into our main workout, you know, five by five at two and a half minutes. Yeah. Great. We're going to load up to 80%, take a couple of warm-up sets to build up there. All right, we're at 80, five by five. Cool. We're done. And then we're going to get into our supplemental. What can we do that complements the workout? And that's complementing the workout. Um, that supplemental part is where we do get some variability for people who want to say, I use that time, um, try and spike the heart rate a little bit. So example, someone today had a quick 21.59 with row calories and burpees over the rower. Mm -hmm. just, a, just a little thing, right? Just, just a little thing. You know, next week might be, um, again, I can pull up her program, but the next week might be something similar with wall balls and slide pushes. Yeah. Just again, something that's going to last between three and 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be bigger than the workout itself, but just something that complements what we did. Um, Love it. And then we'll go from there into the other supplemental, which would be more stability based. So single light lunges, overhead lunges, uh, box lunges, box squats where you're standing on a box, similar, very similar to a pistol squat where you're standing on a box and squatting down just doesn't place as much stress on the knee. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I love it. What, um, I, I think like that's a very appropriate, obviously, uh, sequencing of a workout throughout the day. I love how you throw in like, all right, we'll have a strength component. We'll have a heart rate component. We'll have a, you know, a stability component. That stability side is something that's missed in a lot of programming, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that challenging your body proprioceptively, if that's even a word, <laughs> um, yep. but making sure that your joints have just good awareness where they're at in space. And are you as strong on one leg as you are on two? Are your ankles as stable or, you know, like, uh, as they need to be, or are, you know, are you faulting at your hips? Like, um, and you don't know that unless you start challenging, especially, especially unilaterally, which is always missed, man. Always. It's, it's fun to watch, uh, especially again, our teenagers will take them through Sometimes we'll do agility before the workout again, because we want to mm -hmm. go from CNS top down. So we're going to do the most demanding things first, i.e. running, jumping. Mm -hmm. um, and again, just figuring out these differences. I keep going back to baseball because those are the guys who are about to be in preseason. And yeah, it's also rotational. It's also a rotational sport. Yeah. And so that's where we see these big imbalances. It's been, you know, you can see someone walk in and you're like, oh yeah, you're right-handed. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to point out right away. Yeah. Just you look at them squat and you see the hips where the hips go and you see, you know, one side's higher than the other. And it's like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. let's mm -hmm. get this fixed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, man. I think like, you know, you're doing a lot of right. Th you're doing a lot of things, right. You're doing a lot of things kind of like, um, that a lot of other gyms aren't, which is why I was super excited after our initial conversation to kind of get you on the podcast, kind of start enlightening people. Cause like, uh, for those of you listening, like the things that Cody just kind of brought or George just brought up where, um, you know, he was watching you squat or was watching his athlete squat and noticed like, Oh, because of how your hips are kind of sitting, you must be a right-handed pitcher. 
Like you don't get that by guessing. You get that by reps and you get that by by paying attention to your athletes and to your people when they come into the gym. And that's not something that you get at every single gym in the Atlanta area or just, you know, anywhere in the world really. So, um, George, I really appreciate your, uh, (laughs) Uh, attention to detail there. It makes it makes my life a lot easier when people come into the clinic when they're coming from a gym like yours and they already know there's already this baseline level of understanding what they should and shouldn't be doing. Exactly. We try not to send too many people your way. Yeah, right. No, it's... it's <laughs> <laughs> It, it's uh it's you never want to but you know it's it's always a spectrum and you know we we let people know all the time like just because you're just because you're injured or like you know your tissues like you might be a little like dinged up doesn't mean necessarily that your programming was bad um and that's definitely the case with you um george or uh, do you have any um you know we have the start of the new year coming up do you have any type of like specials or anything that you want to kind of bring up about uh with with all that coming up uh yeah black friday everything is double priced yeah <laughs> uh just in our you know we're all we don't subscribe to the typical gym model here. Um, so as our little tongue in cheek way, everything on black Friday is double priced. And other than just because it's, you know, break away from the normal break away from the traditional sales models that you see that are always crammed down gym owners throats. I was in that position, you know, I've worked in a, in a small gym before that did things very similar to how we do things here. I've also worked in big box gyms where it was sales, 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 sales. And that just, you start to hate that as a coach. Like that's not why we're here as a coach. Um, The other thing we do, again, we don't have any contracts for our members. Everything Mm -hmm. is month to month based. Uh, For our personal training and small group clients, uh, we actually don't even bill ahead of time. We'll bill you at the end of the month. So if someone came in for 12 hours, 12 sessions, in November, on December 1st, they're going to get a bill for 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, you know, it's not, we don't do the, you know, you buy 20 sessions, we'll take X percent off because then that makes more math for me in figuring out, all right, you came in this many times. Okay. Oh, you skipped a day here. We got to roll this over. Nope. We're just going to invoice at the end of the month and we're going to keep it really clean, really simple. Yeah. Which is also kind of counterintuitive. You know, it's, it's always kind of interesting. And, and this is in my model as well. Uh, but, you know, in the gym model, it's different. Like you wouldn't go to your mechanic and pay them first and then have them do their work. Right. <laughs> um, so I, I like, I kind of like that idea of like, you know, invoicing at the end, like here's the work that we did. Here's your invoice um, for the work that we did. So I think that's great. Um, how could people get a hold of you, man? If they wanted to learn more about your gym or, or about you or, or your background or anything like that. So on our website, there is a contact box, which goes directly to my email. Um, you can put your name, email address, message in there. I'll get that. You can shoot me an email at george at storm-athletics.com. Uh, website is www.storm-athletics.com. There's that hyphen in there between the two. Mm-hmm. And that is the easiest way. We have our Instagram at stormatl. Yep. And those are that's the easiest way to get in contact. Cool, man. Appreciate it. Um, George, really appreciate your time, man. Uh, yeah, you crushed it, on this podcast. I can't wait to get you back on here. I think we've got a lot of other topics to kind of talk about in terms of just like how you write your programming, how you treat certain audiences or populations. And uh, I'll be excited to bring you back on. Oh boy. That'll be a while. <laughs> right. can, we can go. Hope the coffee's ready. For sure. Right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate your time and enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good one. You too. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athletes Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.